time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. We're going straight to the scripture this morning because there's so many announcements. I want to announce what the message is this morning. So if you have your Bibles, and you should, turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. All right. And of course, if you have it on your phone or some other electronic device, you just take your little finger and swipe it across your screen and get to Joshua chapter 1. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. One more time, everybody say YOLO. All right, you only live once. Come on. Anybody ride dirt bikes? Anybody like ride dirt bikes? For real? There's some girls who ride dirt bikes too? That's so great. For real? Like all the time or like maybe once or twice or? For real? Dang, I wish I would have known that. You could have came and raced here on Sunday mornings. Y'all give it up for the dirt bike racer. This is great. Come on. That's awesome. Okay, yeah, I've never written one. I'm not interested. Somebody was asking me yesterday if I would ever ride a motorcycle. Oh, it was actually Trey. And I was like, mm, I know how I drive behind people with motorcycles. And I don't want any of that to be returned to me. I'm like, get out of the way. <laughs> Get your little bike out of the way <laughs> right on the sidewalk. Okay, here we go. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to start reading. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. Everybody say Nun. Moses' assistant. He said, verse 2, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. Verse 3 says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Verse 6 says, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Verse 7, I want you to read it with me. If you don't have New Living Translation, look up at the screen. Read verse 7 with me. Here we go. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. I'll continue. Study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. Final verse here. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord, 
your God is with you wherever you go. Bow your heads with me real quick as I pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word to Joshua, which, as we're going to discover here in a few moments, Lord, is your word to us. It's DSM Junior High. It's your word to us collectively, but also individually, Jesus. I thank you that your promises, according to the Bible, are yes and amen. And you backed them up every time. I pray that you bless us this morning. Strengthen us with might in our inner man making us look more like Jesus and causing us to do great things to advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, everybody said, Amen. amen. All right. So this morning I want to talk to you. If you're taking messages, I want to just title this message, Righteous Risks. Righteous Risks. Okay. Righteous Risks. This is YOLO week three. We're talking about righteous risks. Have you ever dreamt, okay, maybe some of you whenever you're younger, maybe some of you right now, of doing something great in your lifetime? Like, let me just, like, I want you to raise your hand. Like, you just dreamed and just kind of wish to do something really, really great while you're on plane air. Hurry up, hold your hand up really, really high. Okay, great. I got some dreamers in this place. That's so cool. Okay, so look. Okay, put your hands down. When I was a child, I dreamed of things like flying. Okay, I just knew that at some point in my lifetime, I would be able to fly. Okay, and so and so don't don't hate up on my imagination. Okay, I have, you know, I was, you know, and so so as child was like, man, one day I'm just there's this old, old movie called The Boy Who Could Fly. And um, and I watched it a whole bunch of times. Then, of course, like the old school Superman, you know, um, and it was just epic to me, like flying like that's gonna be so cool like somebody's gonna discover and then there was this old movie as well to really show you my age it was called the the rocketeer was it the rocketeer something like that sean we're in our 20s um <laughs> you remember this movie it was uh, it was he built this um jet pack is the rocketeer okay so the rocketeer okay and it came out like early 90s maybe um uh, and it, it was this guy who was really, really smart, and he built this little jet pack thing. Okay, it was before Iron Man was impressive. Um, and he literally had a little, you know, uh, almost like video game controllers, and he, you know, could fly. Okay, so that doesn't sound as exciting to you. But in that day and age, that was very phenomenal and at my age. So I was like, one day, I'm going to be able to fly. I mean, I'm just, I'm going to fly. Okay. And then, then some of my other dreams was being an Olympian, which is a little bit more realistic. Okay. I wanted to like go to the Olympics and represent the United States. I'm not sure what I would have done. Maybe like cut flips or something. I don't know. But I was like, man, that would just be so cool. Okay. But, but look, another one, and this is, you know, I'm being very vulnerable this morning. Okay. So I also, one of my huge childhood dreams was to work at SeaWorld. Because, everybody say why, Pastor Brandon. Because I, I secretly had this kind of obsession with, with whales and dolphins, okay? I wanted to be a dolphin, you know, whenever I was a child. There was, a, again, an old show, Sean and I are in our 20s, and there's an old show called Flipper, okay? And it was like, do y'all know, shut the front door. You know Flipper? Yeah. 
Oh, they made a new one. I'm talking about the original flipper. Okay. So it's like flipper, flipper, faster than lightning. No one you see. Okay. It's very old, y'all. It's like in the same time span as you wouldn't even know who Lassie is. Lassie is this little dog. No, no, no. no. I ain't talking about the color Lassie. I'm talking about black and white Lassie. The screen was for real. Shut up. Where? Like Nick at night or something? What are y'all? TV land? How do you know this? YouTube. Who looks for Lassie on YouTube? Alita, come on. Okay. So anyways, so anyways, okay, so Flipper. And so I was like, man, it would be so cool to be able to, you know, like swim underwater and like breathe under, okay, whatever. So, but so, so I was like the closest thing, probably that's not going to happen. I had imagination, but I wasn't crazy. I knew I wasn't going to turn into a dolphin one day, but I was like, okay, you know, it'd be so cool to train Shamu. Okay. And so I wanted to be a Shamu trainer. I wanted to swim with the killer whales and, um, teach him, you know, how to flip and like jump in the tank with him and, and and all of that. Like I was, I was like, man, I'm going to be a marine biologist and that's how I'm going to go and work at, um, SeaWorld. And so, so the summer after my eighth grade year, I'd done so well my seventh and eighth grade year. I was finishing up my junior high years and my dad said, gosh, you have improved so much in your grades. I'm so proud of you. Let's go on a dad-son trip. So we pack up from Louisiana and we drive down to Orlando, Florida, and we stayed like five days, six nights, okay, in or six days, five nights in Orlando, Florida. We go to SeaWorld. We go to Universal Studios. We go to Disney World. Okay, so we get to SeaWorld, okay, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is it probably they're going to call me out of the crowd and have me jump and swim with Shamu. I mean, it's, it's happening. Okay. And so, so we, we get there and it's like, yeah, see where I sell the pictures today. So I get there and I see Shamu like in person, not on TV. And I realized that this is a two ton creature with teeth as long as my arm. Okay. And, and as he is swimming, even in the tank, and he splashes us. My heart probably stopped three times over and I saw the light. Okay. And it was at that moment that I realized, oh, this is not my purpose. Okay. This is, uh, I, what I discovered in that moment is I like the idea of swimming with whales, but Brandon is not getting into a tank with a whale, fish, shark, worm, anything else. I don't even like swimming at the beach barely because I'm scared that a jellyfish may come and suck my arm off or whatever jellyfish do to you. And then I found out. And so as I discovered, I'm like, oh, there's all sorts of things that could go wrong. There ain't no way in heaven or, okay. So there's just no way that it's going to happen. So, um, all of my dreams came crashing down and I no longer wanted to train Shamu, Flipper, whatever anymore. Okay. And so again, I discovered it's more the idea, like maybe having the crowds applaud and swimming in the water and Shamu swimming next to me that I'm more excited with, um, than the actual reality of getting into a tank and swimming with something that at the, uh, the, the, at the, at the move of his flipper could like slap me out of the water, <laughs> throw me up against the tank. And then, okay, if that wasn't enough, a couple years later, Shamu started killing folks. I mean, Shamu has killed 
three people since then. Are y'all, are y'all kidding? Like, the most recent in 2010, okay? It's a new Shamu because, you know, they all look the same. So they get a new one. And they, I mean, literally, I was looking at the, I would have shown the video this morning, but it was too graphic. I figured I'd get in trouble or something. But if you look on YouTube, okay, there's a thing. There's a woman who's like, and it shows the actual footage of Shamu. Like she go, gets ready to climb. This happened in 1971. So it had happened even before I went, but I just didn't know about it, right? YouTube wasn't big then. Okay. And so she gets on top of Shamu and she's like riding Shamu. And all of a sudden the sucker takes her and bites her a hamstring. Okay. And so she's like flailing about, okay. Throws her up against the wall. She climbs out escaping like barely with her life. She's still alive today. But person number two wasn't so lucky. Like as recent as 2010. No, literally the thing took, it took the trainer down underwater and just drowned it to death. That is not the Shamu that I knew and loved in my dreams. Okay. So I go, so again, again, It was a shocking revelation that I liked the idea of training Shamu. I didn't really want to train Shamu. So thinking about that, thinking about that, as we look at the story of Joshua, I think that similarly, Joshua, let me me tell you a little bit about his background and I'll connect these two. Joshua had spent a lot of his time following Moses. Moses, everybody knows who Moses is. The great prophet of Israel, right? The deliverer who, who um, leads the Israel, Israelites out of Egyptian captivity. You know, Moses goes up to Pharaoh and he's like, let my people go, you know? And he's like, you know, and they're in captivity and all these things. Joshua starts following Moses and kind of like training under Moses. The first time we see Joshua is in Exodus chapter 17 and he's fighting the Amalekites. Okay. He's obeying Moses directions. Moses is like, Hey Joshua, I need you to go take out some Amalekites. So this is what I need you to hook up for me. And so he tells them, grab about four or five people, go out. You're going to be victorious. Joshua says, yes, sir. And he goes and he kills Amalekites. Then we see Joshua going with Moses to the Mount of God. Everybody say the Mount of God. No, you ain't saying it right. I said the Mount of God. Okay. The Mount of God. Okay. Yes. So that's Old Testament talk, you know? Okay. So he take, he goes up with Moses to the Mount of God and, and he gets, he gets to listen in to what the God of the universe, the uncreated God, not an angel, not a dream, not a vision, but literally God comes on the Mount of God to speak to Moses. So Joshua gets let in on a couple of these things. Then Joshua, we see Joshua again, Exodus 33 or so. The Bible says that Joshua goes to what we call the tabernacle, which in Old Testament times, this was God's little hood, okay? It was like where God would hang out. It was the one place on earth where they knew the presence of God was. And so in the tabernacle, The Bible says that Joshua would just crawl up inside the tabernacle and he would just sleep there. So once everybody else was finishing and the priests that came to offer their sacrifices, they had done their little duty and they left. Not Joshua. Joshua's heart was so for and toward the things of God. But the Bible says that he would stay extra many times. He would even sit outside of Moses' tent because he so knew, God, I have a purpose I'm not just, I wasn't just placed here on earth to just suck in oxygen and then breathe out carbon, carbon monoxide, carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide. It's been a long time, people. 
So sucking in um, oxygen and breathing out carbon dioxide, I, I was made for a little more than that. And he knew that was in the presence of God where he would discover, God, this is what I was created to do. I shared with you guys two weeks ago that there's two most important moments, days in your life. Number one, the day that you were born. And number two, the day that you discover, come on, Harrison, why you were born. And Joshua hadn't discovered it yet, but he knew where to go to find it. So it's sleep in the presence of God in the tabernacle. So this is Joshua's, this is Joshua's background. And then, and then we see Joshua in Numbers chapter 13. And he's, he's the only one besides Caleb who brought back a good report. You, most of you know the story. They send out spies to the land of Canaan, which is the promised land. And eight of the ten spies come back saying, there ain't no way. We're going to win this battle. I mean, we're like freaking grasshoppers. I mean, these guys are like, they're giants in the land. There's no way we can go here and we're going to win all but two. Joshua and Caleb say, absolutely not. We have the word of the Lord. We will prevail because our God is for us and not against us. Joshua, that was his background. That was his kind of, that was his history. So all this time, God had been training and preparing Joshua. Then an epic moment occurs in Numbers 27. I'm just setting you up the background for Joshua 1. Numbers 27, God speaks to Moses. And he says, I want you to take Joshua. I want you to lay hands on him. And I want you to proclaim him as a leader. But God says something interesting. He says, I want you to give him some of the honor that I have given and ascribed to you, Moses. So Moses takes Joshua in front of all of the people, lays hands on him, prays for him. And he says, this is going to be... He's going to be the second guy in charge. He's going to assist me. Listen to him. He has authority. God's going to use him. All of this leading up to Joshua 1. At the end of Deuteronomy, which is just before Joshua, of course, Moses dies. So can you imagine the place that Joshua is in? This is his spiritual father. This is his mentor. This is his pastor. This is his leader. And he dies. And he's mourning. And he's grieving. And all of a sudden, God, the word of the Lord comes to him and says, Joshua, it's your time. It's your time to lead. Now, I would I would venture to say that all through Joshua's life, even as as he was in his younger years, whenever he first encountered Moses, I'm sure the thought probably crossed uh, across his mind. You know what? It would be so cool to lead all of Israel, to go up to the Mount of God, to lift up a staff and see rivers part, and to be the prophet, literally the mouthpiece of God. That'd be awesome. I would do great at that. And I think just like me, wanting to be a killer whale trainer, for Joshua, he was more connected to the idea of leading than he actually was seeing himself do it in a lot of ways. And I would venture to say that because, because Joshua, again, it, it's one thing to half-heartedly think of doing something great. And it's another thing to actually do it. The Lord had been preparing Joshua from his first interaction with Moses to be the next great leader. Listen to, listen to this quote about leadership. Vince Lombardi, one of the greatest football coaches of all times, won the very first two Super Bowl, Super Bowl games recorded, recorded in history. He has the lowest losing record ever. He says, he says this, leaders are made. They're not born. They are made by hard effort, which is the price which all of us must pay. 
Leaders are not made, leaders are made, they're not born. They are made by hard effort, which is the price which all of us must pay. God never, ever, ever makes mistakes, you guys. And so for Joshua, it was so crucial for him to know and believe, you know what? It is your time to lead Joshua. So God comes to him. Let's look at, let's look at verse 2 again, as I read it earlier. Verse 2, God says this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. And guys, this was no small task. We look at Jordan River and we say, oh, Jordan River, like no big deal. No, no, no. What you don't understand is that the current in the Jordan River was so fierce that whenever grown men would go in to shower and bathe, they would literally tie a rope around their arm in the heavy rain season so that the current would not take them away. Because many times they would just be bathing and like die. Because the, it's like whitewater rafting, you know, water. And so the current would just wash them away. So it was like no small task. And the Lord just coming to Joshua saying, hey, you're going to, you are the one that I've chosen. You're going to lead them across the Jordan River and you're going to lead them to victory pretty much. I mean, you're going to, you're going to go and you're going to do all of these great things. And Joshua, again, he's always kind of knew somewhere down or at least wanted, I'm going to lead this entire nation one day. I'm going to be the real leader. But whenever the time comes down for it, just like whenever the time came down for me to meet Shamu, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You got the wrong person. Joshua's like, oh, no. Uh, I mean, I know I pray to be the leader and all, but I mean, wanting it and fantasizing about it is one thing. Actually doing it is a whole nother thing. And so the Lord comes and it was so God's will that God has to speak this over him in verse two. Listen to this. He says, hey, 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 my servant's dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites across the Jordan River. I think it was a YOLO moment for Joshua. I think it was a moment where Joshua even had to say, you know what? I only live once. This is God's plan for my life. I believe that I am chosen. I believe that God's got something great for me to do. And so I want to tell you, you only live once, but step one, if you're going to live a YOLO kind of faith, if you're going to have a YOLO kind of faith and perspective, step one, here we go. No, you've got to know that you have been chosen. You've got to know it with everything in you. And knowing it is as simple as making a decision in your heart to actually believe what God is saying about you. Believe what he says about you. Whenever God says something to you, believe him. Believe him. It's a, it's a decision of your will. Say, you know what? God has chosen me. And if you have any doubts about that, trust God, not just me and your leaders. You are chosen for such a time as this. You matter around here. You're not just taking up a chair. You're not just another kid in the youth group. Just You actually matter. You have been chosen, handpicked by God to the, from the time that you were born to the schools that you go to. Are the, are the different gifts that have been placed in your life. It was on purpose and it was with purpose that God knit you together in your mother's womb, perfectly formed in his image and in his likeness. And there is a plan for your life. Step one, having a YOLO kind of faith. You've got to know that you know that you know. 
that you've been chosen. God is saying, get in the game and lead. It's not about your cool factor. It's not about how many friends you have. It's not about, your, it's not about um, how many people like you or any of that. It's about your decision to believe. So again, step one, believe that God has chosen you guys. Do you believe that you're a vital part of what God's doing in, in this generation? Or before you half-heartedly kind of shake your head and say, oh yeah, of course, Pastor Brandon, I believe. No, no, no. Do you really believe that you were called with a special purpose and God made no mistakes in the timing in which you're born, the family in which you were born, any of those things that God did it on purpose and with purpose and that you have a special role to fulfill within your generation? Yeah. I think the looks on most of your faces would say, oh, I've never really thought about that. I mean, I like the idea of doing things great, but I think if we're really honest, some of us have a hard time believing that why would God want to use me? I mean, seriously. Honestly, you guys, at some point in your Christian journey, in your faith journey, it's got to become a decision in your will that it's not about what you feel It's about what God's word says about you. And I'm telling you this morning, as a youth pastor, as a preacher, and as a voice of God in your life, God has chosen you. God wants to use you for his glory. You are good enough. You're in the right place. You're at the right time. You're in the right youth ministry. You're in the right city. You're in the right family. God can use you. Amen? God can use you. You've got to believe that with all your heart. Do you believe that you play a vital role right here at DSU? Do you believe that? Gosh, we, we really go extra. I mean, we're working really hard to make sure that you know that. That's why we go all out with these series and we bring in bikes and we have boards and Wednesday nights we spend hours, the intern, hanging signs for our guardrail series and, and taking tents and setting them up and tearing them down and, and having snacks and, and doing all of those things because we need you to know. Because God needs you to know that you play a vital role in this church and in this youth ministry. You matter. You're a big deal. That's what we're trying to say. See, because if you don't believe it, you're not going to do a whole lot in the kingdom. You're not going to seize God's promises and his purpose for your life. If you don't know your high value and your high worth to Jesus and to this ministry and to others, you've got to know He values you so much, and so do we. You're a vital part. You're a big deal. I think many of you are like me and Joshua, at least initially. It'd be cool to reach my generation. It'd be cool to start a prayer meeting. It'd be really cool to invite somebody to church, but uh, whenever it comes down to it, Shamu is not biting off my arm. I think many of us are the same exact way whenever it actually comes down to it. And you're actually doing something to get out of your comfort zone for Christ. It's like, uh, let me get back in my car and drive back to Louisiana and just kind of have visions of doing great things for Jesus. Have visions of going to Shamu uh, and jumping in the, in, the, in the tank with Shamu and, and like jumping on his back and high-fiving him with his fin in my hand. I think it's the same way. I'm telling you, come out of that this morning. God wants to use you. In a simple yet epic way, you got to have a Robin Hood kind of moment, you guys. 
a Robin Hood kind of moment. I want you guys to take a look at this clip that shows a vital moment in the journey of the great Robin Hood. One of my favorite movies right here. Right here. One of my favorite You movies. need to know what I know. Your father was a stonemason. Is that pleasing to you? Yes, it is. But he was more than that. He was a visionary. What did he see? That kings have a need of their subjects, no less than their subjects have need of kings. A dangerous idea. Your father was a philosopher. He had a way of speaking that took you by the ears and by the heart. None of these things can be written down, Robin. You must commit them to your very soul. This is the science of memory. Rise and rise again until lambs become lions. <laughs> Finally, hundreds, listen, thousands, who took up his call for the rights of all ranks from baron to son. Rise and rise again until lambs become lions. And I think that in a cool way, the Holy Spirit's saying, rise and rise again until lambs become lions. What does that mean? A kind of philosophical state, statement there saying, rise and rise again until lambs become lions. I'm thinking of Proverbs even where it says that, you know what, the righteous are as bold as lions. We talked about that about two weeks ago or so, a cool proverb there, a promise. And just saying, the righteous are as bold as lions. Rise and rise again until lambs. People who see themselves as just kind of insignificant, little sheep, not doing a whole lot. Rise and rise again. Sunday after Sunday. Wednesday after Wednesday. Retreat after retreat. Conference after conference. Prayer moment after prayer moment. Until lambs become lions. Until those who don't see a whole lot in themselves begin to see a lion roaring fiercely for the cause of Christ, roaring loudly, living boldly like a lion, right? For the cause of Christ. I think that every single one of us have to have a Robin Hood moment. If you've seen the movie kind of lead to epic turn in in, in this war and and Robin Hood kind of gets this idea to just keep rising and rising again until lambs become lions, until people actually begin to believe the truth. Until you begin to believe the truth, what God says about you. So, step one, you got to know it. Step two is know that God is for you and with you. Verse five says this, and he's talking to Joshua. And in the same way he's talking to us, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. And that had a special meaning to Joshua because Joshua saw God's interaction with Moses. It doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but Joshua was like, you're going to talk to me like in the same way that you talk to Moses. I mean, Moses is the one guy in scripture that says that. And God spoke to Moses as a man speaks with his friend face to face. Moses would have these exchanges, this communication, this talking sessions with God. 
So can you imagine Joshua just standing there after Moses died and and God saying, you're the big deal. I'm going to use you. I want you to lead this generation. And Joshua's saying, I don't know. That's an overwhelming kind of call and task. And then God continues to speak to him and says, in the same way that I was with Moses, the same way that I was for Moses, and I never let him fall. I am for you, but I am with you. You know, Carrie Joe pinned the song and sings at every conference. And gosh, it's just so, it, it, the, the message behind it is so simple yet so powerful. I know that you are for me. I know that you are for me. I know that you will never forsake me in my weakness. I mean, gosh, you guys, there's seasons of your life where, and that's going to be tested. Do you really believe that God is for you? Even after you sin, even after you mess up, even whenever you blow it, do you realize that he is still for you? He's not against you. He puts it this way in his word. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, because if you don't believe that God is for you, you're going to be defeated before the battle even starts. You're going to be overcome instead of overcoming the situation. You've got to know that he is for you. Not only is he for you, like that's a cool idea, but he is with you. He walks with you every single day, you guys. You can't get rid of him. He's for you and he is with you. And he reminded Joshua and he reminds us today. Does this make sense to you guys this morning? All right, we're gonna move on. You've been chosen. You gotta know that God is for you and with you. Romans 8.31 says it like this. Paul writes, he says, if God is for you, who can be against you? And that's like such an encouragement, man, whenever you're having a bad day or or people are coming against you. If God is for me, and he is, then who can be against me? God's for you this morning. Verses 6, 7, and 9, God kind of repeats himself. And it's never because he has amnesia and he's forgotten what he said. He's not an old senile man who's like, oh, goodness, I'm just babbling on and on. But three separate times he tells Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be strong, be courageous. And then again, he comes back to him in verse 9. He says it again, be strong and very courageous. What does it mean to be courageous? What was a cool quote I found? Courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. Sometimes it's a little scary whenever you're living for Jesus and, and people don't like you or people come against you or gosh, you go to pray with someone and it's, or you just have even the idea of man, somebody says, Oh, I'm sick. Or my family member just died. And it's like the thought crosses your mind, man, I should, I should, I should pray with them right now. And then instantly we let fear get the best of us. And we say, uh, I just got to pray for you by myself later on at home. Wouldn't want Shamu to rip this arm off. Guys, it's the same way. Courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. You only live once. Another quote puts it this way. Courage is not the absence of fear, rather the judgment that something else is more important. It's not the absence of fear. It's just the judgment that I may be experiencing a little bit of fear right now, but you know what? Christ is more important. His kingdom is more important right now. So I'm going to make this decision to overcome that fear and say, hey, 
My name is. Let me just kind of share my faith with you. Hey, let me just encourage you. These are simple things, you guys, but, but man, it makes a huge difference in the kingdom. So step three, be strong and very courageous. So step one, you've got to know that you've been chosen by God. If you're going to have a YOLO kind of faith, step two, you've got to know that God is for you and with you. Number three, be strong and very courageous. Again, whenever you feel fear kind of rising up, whenever God speaks to you and tells you to do something, you just make the judgment that while fear may be present, Christ is more important to me. And lastly here, verse 8. This is where we're going to kind of land at this morning. Verse 8. God tells Joshua, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. That is a great promise. I want to be successful in all that God has called me to do. But it is connected with this charge to read God's word, to know God's word, to think about God's word. And finally, and most important, to obey at all costs, which is step four in this whole YOLO experience. Obey at all costs. But here's the thing, you won't obey God, you can't obey God if you don't know what it is that God is calling you to do, which is why we have quiet times. We spend time with Jesus daily saying, God, what is it that you have for me to do today? Lord, how can I please you? How can I serve you today? How can I show your love to someone this week? It's hard to obey whenever you're not listening to what he's telling you to do. So it's as simple as creating some moments, 10, 15 minutes, some point in your day saying, Jesus, what do you have for me to do today? Speak to my heart as I read your word. God, how can I obey you well today? How can I obey you well? Obey at all costs. We must know what he said in order to obey what he's asking us to do. So step one, I want you just to put this back on the screen there. Step one, if you're taking notes, short pencil is better than a long memory. Any day, all day, every day, know that you have been chosen. Step two, know that God is with you and for you as he was with Joshua, as he was with Moses. Step three, you got to be strong and courageous. That's what God tells Joshua three times. And number four, You're called to obey at all costs. Implementing these things, you guys, doing these things, following God's word will help you to live a life. As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we've been talking about this YOLO series of no regrets. Gosh, I don't want to get to heaven having all these regrets. Say, man, I wish I would have, could have, should have been a better whatever. No, 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 no. If you'll implement these things, you guys, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you'll be able to look back and say, gosh, I've made a difference. I am making a difference for the cause of Christ in my life. I've come to a place where I realize it's not all about me. As the band comes this morning, I want us to just kind of get ready to close in prayer. If you'll stand to your feet right where you are and I want to just pray a prayer over you guys that, man, God would use you in such a mighty way in that Gosh, you would really get this idea of, you know what? I'm going to be like Joshua. I want to be like, I want to be like Joshua. 
He obeyed at all costs. He knew he was chosen. He knew that God was for him and, and with him. And gosh, he was strong. He was courageous. Whenever it came time to, to, cross, the, to, to cross the Jordan River, man, Joshua didn't hesitate. He says, come on, we're going across. And he took the Levites, which represents the worship of the people. He took the Levites, basically the praise and worship leaders. He put them in the front and he said, we're going to follow the presence of God. The waters part. They go across safe and sound. And then comes an interesting time. There's many moments where, and it'll be great, gosh, if your quiet time where you say, wait, Pastor Brandon, I don't know where to start. Just read Joshua this week. Like just read a chapter a day for the next couple weeks. And just kind of read through the story of Joshua. Man, make his story your story. That's what we do in the word of God. We find stories in the word and we say, gosh, that's going to be my story. It's a pattern for us to live our lives by. So he goes on. And once they get to the land of Canaan, which is a promised land, uh, Joshua is, is leading the people. and God gives them some specific instructions. They get to the to this city called Jericho with all these walls. And again, we reread the Bible, but you got to read the Bible. Goodness. It's not every day that, that, this, that this, this nation just begins marching around the city and, and six days and then, and then they stop and then they, and then they shout unto the Lord and walls fall down. When was the last time that happened? Oh, thousands of years ago right here in this story in the book of Joshua. None of it would have happened had he shrunk back and, and just kind of said, no, God, just use someone else to lead. Uh, can you go with plan B or plan C? the whole time God's saying there is no plan B, C, or D. There's one plan, plan A, and you're it. And I say to you this morning, there's one plan to reach your generation, to reach your friends, to reach your family, and you've got to know you're it. Failure's not an option. Vince Lombardi also said this, gosh, you know what? You know what? Quitting, once a man learns to quit, he never stops. Once a man learns the art of quitting, they can never stop. And so just encourage some of you, as you go through all different things, and while some people say, oh gosh, it's not really important, anything that you go through, anything that's a big deal to you, many times a big deal to heaven, because Jesus cares about how you feel this morning. I'm going to encourage you to press past all those things and say, you know what, I'm going to be a Joshua in my generation. I'm going to simply believe that I am chosen by God, that he's got a plan for my life. I'm just going to simply believe that, you know what? God is for me and God is with me because of my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to be strong and courageous, whatever that means. And you know what? I'm going to obey Jesus at all costs this morning for the rest of my days. To bow your heads right where you are as we get ready to close. If you say, gosh, I just, man, I just, I want to be a Joshua. I just, I want to respond to that. I want to respond and, and be the man who Christ says he's called me to be in my generation. I want to, I want to do great things. I want to obey. I want to believe that God's with me and for me. But I want to pray specifically because I feel the leading of the Lord this morning. If you've kind of been struggling with this idea that God is actually for you, 
because of whatever circumstance, I want you to raise up your hand real high. If you've been specifically struggling with receiving the truth that, man, God is for me. Lift up your hands real high. I want to pray for you real quick before we, I don't need any of you looking around. Hands up real high. Father, I thank you for every hand that's lifted in this place, even this morning. God, and I pray that your students, your sons and daughters will leave here with a confidence that you are for them. You alone are holy. You are Father. You're the creator of the universe. But you're the creator of our personal lives as well. Jesus, I pray that they will leave here today knowing that you are for them. We commit to rise and rise again until this lamb-like mentality becomes lions in this generation. And this is my prayer, Father, for everyone in this room this morning. They will rise and rise again, rising, having quiet times, rising, coming to service on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and small groups, God, until the mentality even of a lamb goes and they become lions, realizing that you've anointed them to do great things in their generation, Lord. It's in your holy name that we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Their schools, they're set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life. 